listeners, welcome to the next session. An advice podcast for game masters who are seeking help with their next game session. I'm Alyssa Johns. Oh man, you, you snaked it in there. I did. I'm Adam Johns. Snaked? I snaked it in there? Yes. Like a rattlesnake? <laughs> like, a, like a rattlesnake. But like without a, warning, so no rattle? <laughs> so like a silent snake. Ooh, ninja snake. Like a ninja snake. Okay, yes, I am the ninja snake. Okay. And this is my husband. Loud, the la- what's the opposite of snake? Um, I'm the loud hippo. Oh, <laughs> I was just thinking snakes are small and thin, and you know, hippo. And, and slithery, and hippos are all Stompy of not and, of those things. You know. <laughs> all of not of those things. Good night. All right, yeah. podcast over. Um, hey, you know what I realized? I have been playing Animal Crossing for an entire pandemic year. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. It's different than a real year because it's a it's, pandemic. It's a pandemic year, yeah. Yeah. It's an Animal Crossing year. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you know, I'm not I'm not gonna um lie, I have done a fair amount of time traveling. Um, mostly because I'm trying to farm the pagoda and the only way you can get the pagoda is to talk to Gulliver who lands on your island every once in a while and you have to farm him and I'm sure there's like hack ways to do it, but that's how I know to do it. So I just keep time traveling to the same day. Listener, if you're in any way confused about what Alyssa is talking about, then you are sharing with me the experience of the entire pandemic year hearing her talk about this. You talk about all of your games all the time. Okay. What is the bug glaive in Monster Hunter? Okay. It's called an insect glaive. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Excuse me. And the, um, the, the, Snor snore blaster. Snore blaster. No, what is it called? No, in the Little Mermaid. Oh, I don't remember. In the Little Mermaid. Well, she she has the dingle hopper and then the um, and what are they called? The pipe. I have no idea. Ugh. I totally they are uncult- you uncultured swine. Yeah. You, I'm sorry, hippo. You, hundred percent. Well, I was trying to make a joke with the hunting horn. Yeah. But instead of it, that it's the snarf blaster. That's it. Found it. Snarf blaster. Yeah. It was buried in my memory banks, but I got it. <laughs> Pulled it right out. Here you go. Wrapped it in a bow. Snarf I'm blaster. I'm so glad you have that in there. All the useful things that you can have. You got, you got that piece of knowledge hanging out in Oh, there. hell yeah. I am ready for Disney and South Park trivia. Oh, yeah. Um, and no other kinds of trivia. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so that's, that's about all I got, you guys. That's about. Sometimes I like to think of trivia questions for Disney and South Park <laughs> things and quiz myself in my head. Maybe you need to run a trivia night with just those trivia. In non-pandemic times, I would 100% do that. Yeah. If I could, like, go into a bar as, like, a guest trivia um topic person and run south park or disney or both south yeah. park disney <laughs> yeah a south park disney trivia i would do it and in a heartbeat and it would be great but instead instead i guess we should do some D stuff yeah we have some questions here um our first next session help question comes from thortron 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 is the cheesy robot ripoff of thor well, I was thinking of Thornton, Colorado, but like more Tron I mean, in its like, city. Uh, is it Thornton Here's a Who? Oh, no, that's Horton. Horton. That's Horton. That's a different city in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> if my cousins are listening, it's I'm south, sorry. It's south of. <laughs> it's way south. Um, so, but this is Thortron. 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 Thortron, Thortron asks... 
Um, players are going on a triple date at the famous Clockwork Cafe on the Plain of Mechanus. Help me make it a date they'll never forget. Um, if you are a member of Cerberus or have a complex about losing your left arm, turn back now. I think okay. this is warning their players not to listen. Oh, I see. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what a strange. Well, I don't want to lose my left arm, but I don't want to lose any of my arms. But there yeah. you go. Um, Thortran says my players have expressed interest in going on a fun date, which has grown into a triple date now, and they've been referred to this cafe by an ally that sincerely enjoys messing with them. I already have a lot of things planned, but I would love any ideas and fresh perspectives to really spice things up. This is pretty much the last quote-unquote slice of life or bottle episode we're doing before the final stretch of the end of our campaign, and everyone involved is level 20. Whoa. Hmm. We have a wizard, a ranger, two eldritch knights, a druid, and a bard. That is a big party. Mm-hmm. Six. Woo. Why do you need two eldritch knights? Well, you know. <laughs> So when when one is casting a spell and the other one can fight, and vice versa. Yeah. Um. So as a group, they uh they're stacked enough to handle just about any hijinks or complications I throw at them. I will be playing all three of their dates. So ideally, the ideas don't involve too much of me having to talk to myself. So there's six of them, but there's only going to be three dates. I'm confused. Yeah, I'm a little confused too. Uh, so okay so let's break this down there is a cafe called the clockwork cafe an ally that really enjoys messing with them um has recommended they go there in my head it's like the um restaurant at the edge of the universe sure i don't know kind of a thing like go here it's a touristy spot kind of a thing and it it's on the plane of mechanist so i'm assuming there are like modron uh waiters is it mechanist or mechanist I think it's either. Yeah. Or either. <laughs> you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> Do they serve food on the plane of Mechanus? Well, there that that could be your first hijink. <laughs> yeah. Like the waiter takes your order and comes back with gears yeah. and uh, lubricating oil, but not the fun kind. <laughs> yeah. The practical kind. <laughs> like that Futurama episode where they go to the planet of robots and they're like, oh, sure. Sir, can I offer you a hot resin? Yeah. A hot <laughs> blast of resin. <laughs> um or maybe maybe the, the Modrons um when you when you order they uh they they get your order wrong or they like they have they oh it's a chain of command. They have to like send it down the line and they have no idea who the cook is because the mo- the first Modron only knows one thing, which is take order. And the second Modron only knows bring order to this guy. And the third, like, they have no idea. <laughs> so so it's like a game of Modron telephone? Yeah, exactly. Is, is what's going on there? And then... Um, That's an interesting idea. The, uh, the bill, they could always round up the bill. And everything has to be split completely evenly. Like, you can't pay <laughs> for anyone else's bill. You have to pay. Like, Modrons calculate... Uh, money down to the like uh, 15th decimal point yeah exactly <laughs> um so they you have to be very precise. very very precise in in your money distribution that could be kind of fun i do think it's interesting that everybody here is level 20 which really changes the dynamic a little bit like you really can't necessarily do something that is 
mechanically difficult because they're they would overcome that very 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 quickly yeah it has to be practical jokes in the form of the setting mm. what about these dates let's as, let's assume there are three players because this the other part of this is a little bit confusing that it sounds like there's actually six players but then the dm is playing three dates three of the dates and it says that they're triple date yeah it's confusing Thorchon, do math better. Um, so let's just just assume that there are three players, and so they're playing three of the dates. Um, are the dates Modrons? Oh, that's a good question. Like, are these blind dates? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they show up at the Clockwork Cafe. And, and they're they, all three different kinds of Modrons or yeah, whatever. Yeah, they're um, female worker bots. Yeah. <laughs> Are you saying they're Modrons of the night? Ooh. They're from uh, <laughs> Hortron. <laughs> That's terrible. I was going to say... Um, that was the town that we made up that was south of... I know. I, I think that's terrible. I think it should have been a little bit more subtle. I think it should have been like Venus. <laughs> I'm sorry it wasn't subtle enough to repeat the same joke that we made earlier. Yes, we made that joke, but you you just called their dates horse. So I, I don't like that. Okay. Okay. Uh, why are you laughing? <laughs> because you already made that joke. Yeah, but not about these fictitious dates. All right, all right. <laughs> Maybe the dates are are. Um, I like the idea of of blind dates. I don't know whether or not that's what's actually going on here. It says, my players have expressed interest in going on a fun date. Oh, maybe. What about like a, instead of three dates, it's like a three-headed. Oh, that's good. Like a three-headed person. A three-headed robot? Yeah. Or a robot that like keeps switching personalities. <laughs> sure, yeah. To li- like, I am DateBot3000. Oh, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, she did not. <laughs> Are uh, these just the robots from Wally? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the makeup oh robot. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> I but I also like the idea that they might be like dates from another realm, you know, like they, they could be of of different sort of fantasy. Oh yeah. Like a know. wind elemental and Yeah, which which would also be kinda interesting, right? Like they've they've also traveled to the plane of mechanists and and are here specifically to meet you for this for this blind date that they got set up on you could have you could ask the players what they're gonna bring like a gift like commonly you bring a gift to like a blind date and maybe these different or flowers or something maybe i mean we're we just assumed that they were female dates but who knows gender wise but maybe these different dates have different courting rituals that you would need to follow up on if like like you can't offer them a glass of water. That's that's incredibly rude and insulting to a wind elemental. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that idea. And, and do the, would the players know it ahead of time? Like they know. No, it's a blind date. <laughs> okay, so maybe they have to use some some knowledge. Everybody roll a roll a knowledge, you know, roll, nature check or a <laughs> arcana check, and see what you actually know about this particular species. Mm-hmm. Um. And what their their date uh, customs are. I like the idea that um, the DM can say they forgot their wallets. So the players have to pay for it. Did you have any blind dates? Did you ever go on a blind date? 
Like in real life? Yeah. No, I've never done that. I've never done that either. Yeah. It's it's a, all of my experience with blind dates is in sitcoms. Yeah, it's too hard in the age of technology to go on a blind date. I feel like like even there are dating apps where you have to fill out as much as possible. Like, That's and true. you're gonna Google someone as soon as you find out their name, you know, and go on social media and see if you can find out if they have any friends that are like you. And it does seem really amazingly strange to me the idea of like showing up at a restaurant and having no idea any information at all about this person yeah you know that they're gonna wear a blue sweater and hold a red rose and they answer right. to the name of john right and that's like the only thing and so you start going john john are you john yeah boy that seems really uncomfortable to me <laughs> back, back in my day right. um but you could play a lot up a lot of these tropes i mean all of my blind date tropes come from sitcoms from the 90s and stuff yeah um so you can totally play up this this idea of like the the blind date trope yeah kind of playing off here and you can keep going i mean like every part of this restaurant is ridiculous so it could be you can't read the menu and the guy goes and brings you back um the kids menu because he thinks that like you must be a child because you can't read this menu and (laughs) (laughs) The kids' menu is just a bunch of pictures, but they're all mechanical diagrams. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's, it's, it's like circuit it's, breaker. Yeah, it's, it's it's just as unhelpful as the other menu. And you're like, I'll pick this one, and they go, whoa. <laughs> Adventurous. Whoa, all right. No, no, I don't. Um, I wasn't sure you were into that kind of thing. There are no bathrooms. Roll a constitution saving throw. <laughs> See if you hold it. I love all the... I, I actually like the hijinks involving this cafe way more than i like the hijinks of involving the date yeah because the date sounds awkward as it is yeah you kind of want the date to go well despite all of the things happening in the restaurant i did do i did a campaign where the players had to like garner favor from uh people at a party Hmm. and the way that i did that was that i had the uh we made up npcs and each npc had a sort of um, clear defining feature uh, that defined who they are and then also the thing the player needed to do to actually the, the thing the player needed to do to actually get what it was that they wanted out of out of that situation um, and it was helpful to, to have it so well defined because the players knew they wanted to get something in this particular situation in my game the players needed to get like a coin of favor from from the people at the party and each person at the party could only give one coin of favor so the players basically needed to buddy up with these wealthy people at this party in order to to get this coin of favor and so they they would approach each one and i literally had made three by five cards because we handed them to the different players and they role played the npcs for each other oh i like that um and so we would hand them the three by five card and it would say a basic description of who the npc was it had like a name a description of what they look like and then a description of their like mo- personality and, and the, the and the murder weapon and the... i mean honestly <laughs> it wasn't too dissimilar from that but from you know, clue. Role, role play uh, ideas instead and then on the back of the card it said here's what the player the the person you're interacting with needs to do to get your coin and then it was just a role play encounter between them where the player got to had to basically try several different you know strategies to see what was effective and then the person playing the character had basically like 
was effectively trying to get them to be successful, you know, was, was like trying to lead them in the right direction, but had a guide for who, what their personality was and, yeah. and how to role play that and, and then how to have sort of a measure of success for it too. I like that because it keeps it off of the DM from having to, as they put it, um, talk to themselves. Like they don't want to just sit there and talk NPC to NPC or NPC to waiter or whatever. They, they want to get the ball rolling. And that sounds like a really good way to keep everybody engaged in what's happening and give you an objective. Mm-hmm. Whoa, an objective. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, one of the challenges that I always have as an NPC is I don't really want to play as an NPC. <laughs> you know, just me being an NPC in the background. What, what would that be like? I think it you just, just makes soup. <laughs> I just make You're just, the NPC that stands in the kitchen and goes, "Man, I'm hungry," I just, and the I, soup never. I just makes. have a dirty rag and I just continually r- scrub the counter with my dirty rag. <laughs> um, no, I as a as a game master, <laughs> as a game master, I I hate playing more than really more than one NPC at a time in any situation, but but certainly more than two. And, and the, the thing that I really dislike about that, I, I don't too much mind switching voices back and forth, but I tend to really dislike the situations that require me to then interact with myself or, or where me switching back and forth is dominating the conversation. Even if I'm not having my two NPCs talk to each other as myself, um, it's still sort of dominating the, the situation, dominates the role play. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being able to hand more of it back to the players to be able to to do. Yeah, I'm not the best at role playing. Um, I like making other people, or not making, but like giving everybody else the opportunity to role play. And the the more the better for me personally. Yeah, I I think that this would the date part of this would be a lot more fun if you could hand it back to the players and make them role play out the yeah totally the person they're on the date with yeah especially if it's the blind date and they're all robots and then you can really have fun with it right it can get really goofy or or you know even if they're not robots but you give them you know you make them all wind elementals or whatever uh these these other creatures from from different planes Mm -hmm. um that could still be like a tremendous amount of fun to hand over to to the players and you could even give them clear guidelines for the kinds of personality you know this is a wind elemental and he they are very aloof mm-hmm. um and and they uh you know they tend to be asexual and right. they don't really interact well with others and they'll sure but and if you can get under their heart they'll blow you away sure yeah <laughs> um so like I, I like the idea of of having a couple of defining features that define this character and let, letting the MPs, letting the players role play with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we I think we covered it. Can I just say I like Clockwork Cafe? I do too. I think the name is really good. Yeah, I think I'm going to put that in the title. I think this is going to be episode 34 Clockwork Cafe and the spell that I'm not going to reveal to you yet. Oh, the Clockwork Cafe and the No, I'm not going to try to guess. Um, I would be amazed if you did, though. Curse. Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're on the right track, though. Yeah. Um, it starts with a C. <laughs> I also like the idea of having some bottle episodes, some slice of life things right before you're about to go run the final. Yeah. 
part of this. So nice job, Thor, uh, Thortron. Thortron. Uh, Thortron. Uh, it sounds like you're you're on the right track, and it sounds yeah. like you're doing a great and job. and you're going to have fun no matter what. So, yeah, you can just ignore the last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There Complete you go. waste of time. We did it. <laughs> Let's move on to Gentle Pencil's question. Gentle Pencil. Gentle Pencil. Oh, Gentle Pencil. Aww. Gentle Pencil says, encounter ideas for a sentient dungeon? Um, okay. f- for my campaign's next story arc, I want it to lead to a dungeon controlled and run by a magical AI, basically a sentience from Mechanist that's bound to it. Ah, bringing back the Mechanist. I know. This whole episode's a Mechanist. They didn't even know. Um, they want them to sort of be like GLaDOS uh, from okay. Portal, and the dungeon itself is the physical form this creature took. However... I'm struggling with exactly what to put in the dungeons and how to run it uh, that isn't just putting baddies into the rooms for the party to fight. Hmm. So essentially they're going inside of GLaDOS. Okay. And GLaDOS knows they're in there and what are you fighting? Obviously okay. constructs, I mean. So let's let's toss out that GLaDOS whatever's running this dungeon maybe once or needs you in there for some reason yeah and it could or, be and, and maybe could eject you at any time it could be that they need you to get something that's jamming their system mm-hmm. and they're promising you treasure it could be that you essentially are the hamster on the running wheel and they need you in there t- for energy mm-hmm. you know by the way this is a side note um i know the woman who voiced glados well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Ellen. We've, and we've met her. We rode an elevator with her. Well, not, not only that, but she she <laughs> has done a lot of theater in the Seattle area, and um, I have worked with her before. Yeah, um, very fun. Yeah, she's very very sweet. Um, so the so I like I like I certainly love this this whole setup because this is really fun. Um, I think the the personally I like the idea of of like something jamming the system or some some you know magic item or or something like that that's like causing issue um and this glados house needs you to go in there and get it because it can't eject this thing um yes it it needs you to do it but it also like has plans to trap you inside for erver yeah so if i'm so what you could play around with that is maybe whatever's causing problems for the Gladys house is also causing the house to not be able to control everything. Oh yeah, like maybe there's um what what is that that it's like magical rust or something? Is there a magical rust? Well, it like instantly rusts your um your swords and and items. Like a rust monster? There you go. There's a rust monster. Okay. Inside of the dungeon, Glados and um is causing her terrible pain and also uh simulated pain i should say because you know sure um but also is uh causing problems and some of her systems are down Mm -hmm. so now what what you have is is maybe a house that's out of control and the house can be bigger on the inside than it is on the outside like smart house from the disney channel like smart house from the disney channel or the house from eureka um but like I like the concept that the house may deploy measures against you even when it doesn't want to be deploying measures. Oh yeah, you. oh like your your white blood cells, you know, they're right. going to they're going to attack no matter what if 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 your 
they think you're on the list of attackers, they're going to go for it. So right. this so could it, be the same thing. Like, you, could, you could do stuff like fire suppression system, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that like sprays foam at you and it's filling up the room or something. Oh, yeah. Um, and GLaDOS can be like, I'm I, sorry. Um, this is out of my control. Right. You're and going to have to help. The house, the house can can keep saying it. Uh, according to my sensors, you are still on fire. <laughs> uh, oh, like don't from worry. Iron Man. I shall, I shall put you out. <laughs> um, or like uh, it actually seems very much like Baymax or whatever. Oh from, yeah, from Big Hero Six. On a scale of one to ten, please rate your pain. <laughs> Uh, I think you could you could have I think the the fun of this is to think about like if I had a giant eclectic mansion I'm a I'm a maybe a wizard or whatever in a fantasy world and I've got a mansion so I've got all these really odd rooms in my mansion um, but the because everything's screwing up the rooms are getting mixed up or things that belong in one room are going into another room so I might have like an entire swimming pool room or something like that or or I have like a whole room filled with, you know, uh, exercise equipment or something like that. And I have all these different things. And and so all of a sudden, you know, my exercise equipment stuff is falling into my uh, ball pit room um, and my... So you're saying that the, the mechanical sentient mind took over a magical mansion... And chose that as its form, and that's the sentient thing, is the whole house. Yeah, I think so. I like that. Um, it doesn't, I mean, you know, a dungeon doesn't always have to be the first thing what we think of as dungeons, which is like a cave with torches, mm-hmm. and you're going through Lord of the Rings style. Like, that's that's a great idea. I like that. I like that the... Um, the staircases could lead to nowhere, which mm-hmm. is a which is a typical trope, or flattened down so that you have to you know climb up them. Or she could say, "I'm sorry, staircase is temporarily closed," and then it just crumbles, and you're like, "Uh, you can use the back the back staircase or whatever." And sure. then you have to go find it. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, I think there's a whole fun of like navigating room by room where like passing through a doorway into the next room doesn't necessarily always lead to the same room. So you pass through it one way and it leads to one room and you pass it back through the same direction and it leads to a different room. Like a portal? Sure, like a portal. (laughs) I was thinking sort of non-Newtonian physics. I know, I'm just saying GLaDOS portal. Are you going to go in the kitchen? There's going to be the smell of cake, but no real cake? Sure, Mm. yeah. (laughs) And you got to find the cake. And when you're done, you have to go, this was a triumph. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the cake is called. It's a triumph. Triumph cake. cake. Yes. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Obviously, you can do lots and lots of references to Portal here. Oh, yeah. And little sentry guards can come out, mm-hmm. you know, like little tiny constructs that like are there to defend. And Hello. <laughs> are you still there? Totally. Um, yeah. You could have a uh, cube that shows up. To be your companion. Aww. <laughs> Too soon. I still miss that guy. How much? How much worse would it be in a Dungeons and Dragons game that you're doing a nod to Portal, and then you make a character, an NPC character, who actually talks to you, and his name is QB, 
QB. Um, he's got a little heart sewn into his shirt. he's got shirt. a little heart sewn into his shirt. And he like helps you through a whole and big dungeon if mission. You know, if you know Portal at all, you're thinking, <laughs> oh God, keep him away from all fires. Yeah. And then at the very end of the dungeon mission, you have to kill QB in you order put to put him pass in the incinerator. The next, yeah. And he goes, please. Please don't. No, no, no. He's saying, please do it. I'll do anything for you. You guys are my best friends. Oh, that's so much worse. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I want to do this campaign. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. That's like, that, pull, that pulls at the heartstrings. Gentle Q- Pencil, it, you really it, aren't gentle, are Q- you? QB the whole time is like, it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> um, We, in one of the games, we had a Tommy Tim tommy tim i don't remember that in the christmas campaign i ran instead of little um that's right we had a little companion or something well remember was he was, was, like he was a... the crutcheted guy from the little kid yeah yeah who was like cuff cuff i'll get better soon i hope um what is that character's name tiny tim tiny tim but instead i called him um tommy tim <laughs> which i guess is just the first name and a last name his last name is tim yeah yeah <laughs> it was funny and um, instead of, like, leaving him there, you guys decided to take him with you. And <laughs> yeah. then he was, like, in the backpack. And, like, yeah, yeah, you guys had to go confront the, Santa. And he popped out and went, things. Santa? And you guys were like, shove him back in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him see. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had no end of the NPCs that Adam Davis then tries to torture and and be terribly mean to mm-hmm. um that is like a reoccurring thing in, in most of our campaigns when i when i play a, when i when i game master um that i will put in some random npc and adam will try to befriend him and then also like neg him the whole time um and it just becomes a big part of the the play of the game the lime guy yeah well, that he, showed up. he just needs the outlet and you're providing it for him. He can't yeah. do that with anybody else. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes Dungeons and Dragons is just the thing we need it to be. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's so great. Um. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> gentle pencil. Thank you. Gentle pencil. We're gonna steal this. <laughs> I I like this a lot. Um, can we come up with just a couple of extra rooms for gentle pencil? Like a couple of extra. Well, obviously there has to be like a heart, the heart of the house room. Oh, sure. That's and, what you're eventually getting to, right? Right. And so, like, the GLaDOS sentient character, this is where it's stored, essentially, the, the main CPU, the main mm. place that it is. And you have to decide if you are, I guess, trying to um, kill it or trying to neutralize it from spreading into other houses or it, dungeons or whatever. It could reveal that the thing causing all the problems in the heart of the house is actually the wizard that created it oh you mean that they just the sentient being took just over chose the wrong house well took over the house and then and then the wizard has been like crawling through ducts or oh, whatever and so I what, see. what you find out is that the, is that the thing that's causing all the problems for the house is the wizard trying to escape? Is the wizard trying to escape because the house turned on him and he's been trying to get out of the... Oh, I like that one. That's the a good house one. That, that he created or whatever. Yeah, I do like that there's a heart that you're eventually going to get to. Yeah. I think you could play this a couple of different ways. Is the house the bad guy? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, obviously GLaDOS is. But, um, or you could play it as 
you know, the house is really, really does need your help and is, is effectively the victim. Um, yeah, stuck in an unfortunate situation, can't actually get back to their realm. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a way that you can try to figure out how to get them back to their realm, but because they're too big and ingrained in this house, you need to find a way to implode them oh, sure. to another plane of or, existence. Or remove the part that is the the heart, the actual m- mechanist creature. Right. And then input it into something smaller. Yeah. But what's another thing that they can fight inside the dungeon? I mean, I liked Rust Monster. I like constructs that come out, sentry guards, essentially. Well, you could always do, like, animated uh, furniture. Mm, okay. That's a good one. Like, uh, you could actually pull the stats from the animate object spell um, and use those. So you could be fighting a bunch of chairs. I like the idea of there being literal computer bugs that swarm. Mm, okay. And you could be like, oh, no, computer bugs. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to think if there's a you could call them pewter bugs oh, instead of computer bugs. I like and that, that way you're not like leaning and, into the idea that it is a computer, but rather yeah. is like they're made of pewter. They're yeah. literally pewter bugs. And they're silvery and yeah. metal and Right. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Um yeah, all right. There's Gentle a couple, couple extra rooms for the for you there. Gentle pencil. Well, with that I think we should take a break. Perfect. back welcome back how was your break it was very good how was your break it was good i made a little tiny replica of a pewter bug what that's amazing it looks incredible thank you (laughs) it's so small how did you get it so small i'm i'm really good with my tiny little fingers oh that's incredible i'm i'm blown away thanks yeah is it made of pewter yeah oh that makes sense Mm mm-hmm I made an entire robot. Uh, please, please welcome next session bot to help us, you know, automate our next sessions. Hello, <laughs> I am next session bot. Obviously, I use my voice to help record <laughs> all of the next session bot's vocal commands. Um, but I think you'll find that he's actually very good at uh, at coming up with next session help. That was sort of why. That was sort of why I invented him. My policy is to create next session help in all circumstances. <laughs> he's actually not. He's not great, but don't don't tell him. That he's, you know, just getting started. So okay, <laughs> so next session bot, what's our next question? How may I assist you? What's our next question? The next question is available. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, everybody. I don't think Next Session Bot understands at all what is going on. <laughs> well, next Session Bot, we're trying to record the podcast. Will you help us answer the next question on the on the on the podcast? Yes, I am ready to answer the question. I thought you didn't like talking to yourself as an NPC. <laughs> what? I, I'm not talking to myself as an NPC. I'm, I invented a robot. That's what I did. It's yes, but since you, you clearly used your own voice. It's unnerving. I agree. 
All right, we might have to table him for right. a future Next session, episode. Bod, you you go over there and sit down. I'm getting the ratings. I'm getting the ratings right now. I'm sorry. Pe- I will sit down. Yeah. Pe- people are <laughs> tuning out, so we'll have to. <laughs> the ratings are coming in. They're coming in, and they're not. They're not great. It's, get him next off the screen. Next session, Bod, you are horrible. <laughs> we'll try again next. We'll, we'll for sweeps. We'll try again for sweeps. All right. <laughs> Well, um, dumping all the way submitted a question. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that you're on board dumping all the way. <laughs> so, right in line with all the rest of what we're doing here. So uh, this is... <laughs> all right. Center. Focus. This right, yeah. this is Ask a GM. And yeah. um, this question comes in from dumping all the way. And dumping all the way asks... If a town celebrated a ninja parade every year where the ninjas would sneak past the crowd and leave things behind to find, what would they leave? Interesting. Okay. It's a ninja. So there, there are ninjas. That's who's in the parade. Okay. Yes. The, um, um, it, the town celebrates a holiday where apparently ninjas sneak around past the crowd and leave things for them to find. Okay. Sneakily. And it's not dead bodies. Right, my my other thought was like ninja weapons or something like that, like shuriken or yeah. I'm or... I'm imagining this is a all ages family friendly. Yeah, yeah, I, I like, like that idea a lot better. My my first thought is like they sneak candy into the pockets of kids. I like candy. That's a fun idea, and actually, like if you think about that from like a really pla- practical way. Like, imagine you're doing a parade and kids are, like, constantly checking their pockets because they know that at any point, at any, at any point, moment, they could have a piece of candy. You know, a piece of candy it, might suddenly appear there. It's like their calling card. The ninjas are going, look how sneaky I am. These kids have been waiting for this all year, and I still managed to sneak it. Yeah. Although what? it would be really disappointing if you never got candy snuck into your pocket. That's true. That That is true. Um, What about, like, hats? Oh, like, like like they snuck hats onto people's heads. Onto people's like you heads. You turn you turn away and then you turn back and suddenly somebody is wearing a hat, which would be really fun. It can be like all sorts of like goofy goofy little hats and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I like the idea of like um, confetti, mm-hmm. but like hidden in different spots around the city. So if you find the hidden confetti, you get to throw it during the parade. Hmm. Mm, that's like you're finding a bag of confetti or something. Yeah, like that, something. Or? Yeah. Like a little coin purse. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe little little coin purses. You could go like chocolate coins or something like that. Might be kind of a fun a fun way to go with that. Um you find them sort of easter egg style hidden around like hidden around the city oh. little corners and and I got it. Yeah. The ninja's calling card and then if you get one, you can go to a booth and submit it and spin a wheel for a prize. Oh, okay. Uh, sure. What about, like, a wooden coin? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, like, goes to a giant gumball machine. Yeah, there you go. But full of ninja weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> horrifying gumball machine. Just bringing machine. it all back. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, like, it's this big. You have to pop the egg Yeah, open. I think it's a big egg, right? It's so big. Yeah. There's, like, a full... A full samurai sword in it. Mommy, mommy, look I what I got. Samurai sword All right, not till you're older. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like the idea of like a voucher or a coin or something that lets you turn in for for something else. That's that's kind of fun. Because then you could also do other stuff like food items. and Totally. Or there could be some sort of game like Fool the Master 
Mm-hmm. And if you do, then um, you get, I don't know, a trip to the dojo or a special prize or... Maybe this is like a leprechaun thing and you have to catch a ninja sneaking. Catch a, catch, gotta catch them all. <laughs> catch a ninja. So if you, can, if you can catch a ninja and like tag them or something like that, then they have to give you a present. Okay. Um, but, you know, they're so sneaky that they're hard to catch. You know, this whole holiday, there aren't any actual ninjas. People just go, oh, I think that was a ninja. <laughs> the whole thing oh my gosh. is just a regular parade, but people constantly think there are ninjas around mm-hmm. that nobody ever sees. Mm-hmm. That's actually amazing. It's pretty funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the little kids, like the parents know, but the little kids are like, I think I saw a ninja. Better be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty great. Uh, you gotta be good on Ninja Parade Day or you won't get any candy hiding in your pockets <laughs> yeah that's pretty great <laughs> hey that's it there you go dumping all the way dumping all the way i like the cut of your jib yeah could you do a similar concept instead of a ninja parade could you do something else like a pirate parade and... pirate parade is so easy though <laughs> is that because pirates do a lot of parades? everyone knows what a pirate parade i mean okay we live in seattle we have the seattle pirates we know what the pirate parade looks like yeah ninja parade is something different and don't even get me started on pirates versus ninja parade is ninja the least likely thing to have a parade yes is there something less likely to have a parade than a ninja parade ninjas are so sneaky that parade seems like the yeah the loudest possible thing you could do (laughs) yeah and like draw attention to yourself by walking down the street slowly and waving yeah no that's why it's the juxtaposition here is pretty good kind of like I wouldn't go to a mime concert. <laughs> yeah. I mean, although, I would. Although that sounds <laughs> I would do also it once hilarious. and videotape it, but like, yeah. it doesn't sound hilarious. It doesn't sound like anything. Yeah. It's mimes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dumping all the way. Thank you. We're going to move on to the last segment of this little podcast called Use That Spell. Ba-da-ba-ba-bow. Use That Spell. This is clairvoyance. Clairvoyance. Ah, clairvoyance. Ah, If only I had clairvoyance (laughs) to think of it. Yeah. If you had pulled it out of your butt, I would have laughed really hard and then stopped the podcast and picked a new spell. Oh, yeah. That's so sad. So um, this is a third level divination spell, casting time 10 minutes, range one mile, components, verbal semantic somatic somatic man i can i still can't guys this is episode 34 i like semantic components i still can't those are the components you have to be really specific about (laughs) (laughs) and um the material is a focus worth of at least a hundred gold pieces either a jeweled horn for hearing or a glass eye for seeing that is a lot of money for a third level spell yeah that's true right dang well it doesn't it doesn't use it up. Yeah, it's worth at least that, either yeah. this or that. Um, duration, concentration, up to 10 minutes. So here we go. You create an invisible sensor within range in a location familiar to you, a place you've visited or seen before, or in an obvious location that is unfamiliar to you, such as behind that door or around a corner or in a grove of trees. The sensor remains in place for the duration, and it can't be attacked or otherwise interacted with. When you cast the spell, you choose seeing or hearing, based on your material. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't written, but I added it in. 
<laughs> you can shoot you can use the chosen sense through the sensor as if you were in its space. As your action, you can switch between seeing and hearing. Well, then what is the point of picking your material? <laughs> My goodness. Um, it keeps going. A creature that can see the sensor, such as a creature benefiting from sea invisibility or true sight, just sees a luminous intangible orb about the size of a fist. Um, spell list, bard, cleric, sorcerer, wizard, and it's in the player's handbook, but I didn't catch the page number. No. So somewhere in the pa- in the player's handbook, <laughs> if only you could find it, is clairvoyance. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. This is your new mission, uh, if you choose to accept. So I like that they define what it looks like for beings with true sight, because I'm sure that has come up. Wait a minute, I see a thing in the corner. Well, what is it? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's important to make it like clear that it doesn't just look like the person who cast it or whatever. It's like <gasps> their head floating around. How awesome <laughs> like... would that be? That's like with their hand up to their ear listening. <laughs> yeah. Or like doing the like doing goggles. The goggles with their fingers. The like upside <laughs> yeah. down goggles we all know how to do. Yeah. That That's how you determine if it's seeing or hearing. There you go. Um, Not that it matters I because do think you can switch that it. It's interesting that you can switch it, but you can't have them both at the same time. Right. Yeah, I wonder what maybe there's a maybe there's an upgraded clairvoyant spell at a higher level. I mean it does say Azure action you can switch it. So you know, there is a little bit of action economy of yeah, but if you're out of action, yeah, uh, like if you're, you're not in combat, combat then you just go, I switch it. Seems I switch a strange, it again. But, <laughs> um But I guess I guess I can see reasons for that so ultimately the i like this spell a lot because this is the strategy kind of stuff of divination right um yeah and i i think divination is largely a underappreciated school of magic um and like this kind of stuff like information gathering uh can just be so interesting it's actually hard to play as a game master it's hard to like accommodate for these kinds of things you have like somebody who's really leaning on div- divination magic they're they're gonna get information their whole job is to get information um and so you really have to be prepared to let them have information maybe ahead of where you were intending for them to get that kind of information from the plot line um because that's what they're about and you you can't really prevent that from being the case without really just shutting down their character which you know obviously you don't want to do yeah i like that it's a sensor about senses that's kind of fun Mm -hmm. i wonder if there's one later that you can do touch or taste i was actually thinking how (laughs) hilarious it would be if if instead of seeing or hearing i could switch to taste yeah it's just a big tongue that just (laughs) just floats in the air and licks everything yeah but it tastes has... like there's somebody over there. <laughs> <laughs> smell. Yeah. Oh, man, that smells terrible. Why do you have that channel open? I don't know. Maybe I'll smell something good. <laughs> it could be good. You don't know. This is really important. Um, yeah, so you can place it in a place that you haven't been before, or, or I should say that's unfamiliar to you, but obvious. So... Behind a door, around a corner, in a grove of trees. Can I put it inside of a chest? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Can I put it... Okay, it says behind or in a grove of trees. What if I could, could like, I do it in, like, an owl's nest? You know, that, like, 
hole in the tree and stick it up in there. I think so. It, it also, because it's an intangible thing, I would argue that you can put it inside of something too. Like a, like inside a solid object. And I still see out and still hear out? No. Well, but what good is that? <laughs> well, um, it might not necessarily be any good, but if you were inside, say, a solid wall, um, you wouldn't be able to see the object. You wouldn't be able to see the clairvoyance, but you could probably still hear through a solid wall. That's a good point. And what's crazy about this is that the range is one mile, and mm -hmm. I don't have to see it to cast it. So, like... I could go, I wonder what's happening back in my room at the inn. Mm -hmm. I'm going to cast clairvoyance, and I remember that up on the vanity, I'm going to stick it up on the vanity. And, and oh, my God, it's a baby monitor. It's a baby monitor. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why haven't we been Except calling? You can't, you can't talk through it. We should have been calling the baby monitor clairvoyance this whole time. Oh, Claire. Claire, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, parents of D&D. Now should go. name their um their baby monitors Claire, <laughs> unless your baby's name is Claire. Oh yeah, then that's just that's confusing. confusing. <laughs> is Claire awake? Yeah. Does she have batteries? <laughs> uh, is a poopy diaper a battery? Then yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's got lots of them. Lots of batteries. So I think that the, I think there are some really interesting uses here, and I think you could place it inside of a solid object if. If that's what you wanted to do. What can I put it on a moving object, like on top of a horse? I don't think so because it doesn't really provide you any way to make it move. And that is I think one of the biggest limitations to the spell. So like if you put it on a on a horse or in a cart or something like that, I would assume that it would stay where it is anchored in midair. Oh, like an invisible rod kind of a thing. Right. Gotcha. Uh, a movable rod, yes. Um, it could be invisible. It you could don't be invisible know. too. Uh, <laughs> in addition to being immovable, it's invisible. It's, it's immovable and hard to find. Um, <laughs> Ouch! What did you trip on? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's right in midair. Um, so I, I I do think that it's it's probably anchored to you know the planet or whatever. You know I would I would want me to be able to choose whether you can see it or not. I know it says it's invisible, but it also says, like, true sight people can see it, and they describe what it looks like. Mm. Like, I would argue that uh, if a bartender, I, I want them to know that I'm listening in. There, there, I could see some usefulness for being able to have a code of, like, I'm going to make a clairvoyance bubble mm -hmm. in the corner so you know that I can hear you. Yeah, I think that's a cool idea, and I think I would allow for that. Obviously, it doesn't describe that in the spell. Right, and it only lasts for 10 minutes. So, like, you do have to think about, like, how it's not an open gateway to my room at all times. Right, and and you also can't communicate back through it, and you, I think it's got enough limitations on its own that, like, I would probably allow you to, to make it not invisible if you wanted it to be so. If you yeah. wanted to use that in a strategic way. Totally. Yeah. Sweet. I like that. It's a fun spell. I love I love the divination stuff. Can we talk real briefly about like uh, how do you handle a player who figures out your plot line or figures out what's going on way ahead of time? Sure. Ah ha ha! You found my trope. Furiously rewrites campaigns. Sure. It, no worries. I, you know, 
Actually, I really love it when players go, I bet it's this, or I wonder if it's this. And then I'm like, man, that's even better than what I was thinking. Write that down. I like that. I also, there is a value um, in when a player guesses right, just letting them be right. Letting them discover how right they were down the line. Uh, there, there like is. You wouldn't like a, say you're right. You'd say I don't know, right, and then exactly. later they'd go, "I called it." Yeah, and they they would say, "I called it," and and it's important as a game master not to feel like that is somehow that you failed to give a good twist. Like sometimes it's good for the players to just be right and to like to have that moment where they go, "Oh my gosh, I called it!" Like that is satisfying, and sometimes the twist is good. So you know. I'm always a big fan of a of a twist. I often have to remind myself even that like this player called it and that was the plot and they figured it out ahead of time. Well, maybe I just let them have it. I'll let them have that moment where they go like, oh my gosh, I called this. You guys remember I called that like session two. I called this whole plot line. Um, and sometimes it's just, just fun to let them have it. Yeah. I mean, the goal is to make a good story, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't matter really if someone has guessed your campaign that's good for them it means that you're laying down the right bread breadcrumbs right um and when you're playing with a with a player who's using a lot of spells like clairvoyance they're they're they may figure it out you know whatever twists whatever turns you have way ahead of time and it might mean that you know they make a puzzle or a challenge you know a, a combat that was supposed to be a surprise or something like that is no longer a surprise but but it's also the value of that character yeah. becomes apparent in that moment. I mean, I would use clairvoyance all the time around a corner to see if enemies were there. And if they are there, then we get a surprise round. And that's right. valuable to the team. Yeah. And in fact, I would lean into it and, and really make it clear to the team. Like, I know you guys felt like you stomped that battle. But I want to point out that if it weren't for your divination wizard uh that uh for that clairvoyance spell that you cast um they were gonna have the drop on you uh Mm -hmm. and then we're gonna have like like a full round of beating on you before you even got a chance to react so i just want to point out like how much of a difference that made definitely um and and i'll do that for all sorts of players as well because sometimes the buff or the advantage that a player gave to the rest of the party is not so obvious um and especially when i know as a game master like oh that was a big difference um but in such a way that i'm not sure my players really realize how much of a big difference that it made i really want to highlight it and point it out at the end of the at the end of the combat or the end of the session or sometimes went right when it happens when i can say oh man you guys don't even know this but that is going to be a gigantic difference in this totally in the play of this i think it's always good to Build up your players when you can. Everybody needs it. Yeah. You know. You know, your players want to feel good at the character that they're playing. Mm-hmm. And they want to feel good at the playing of the game. Uh, you know, the sometimes feeling good at the playing of the game is like, I did a good job role playing my character today. Or I finally nailed that Australian accent I was working on. <laughs> but sometimes it's also like, you know, I was really strategic. Um, or the creative idea to combine those two spells worked. Um, and those are good moments where you're, where you get to really feel successful and it's important to 
let your pair characters let your players feel successful at the your, table. Characters. your characters yeah, it's canon now i like it parrot yeah. characters yeah your player characters your characters mm-hmm. yeah there you go yeah reward when you can it's reward nice when you can. i know i need it yeah right our lives are hard yeah i want to I feel good at something and feel successful yeah <laughs> and that's what D is all about yeah so you know play some D D. feel rewarded <laughs> feel successful um and with that hey thanks for listening thanks for listening you've completed another journey of the next session podcast there you go i like that that's nice you made it to the end of of this journey and we'll see you for episode 35 coming out next week oh there you go there you go um but if you do want to ask us a question, you can go to our website, nextsessionpodcast.com. You can submit a question. You can look at cartoon drawings of us. You know, that's about all that's on there. Perfect. Go do those two things. <laughs> um, you can also submit questions and feedback and comments on Twitter and Facebook at The Next Session. And we're on Instagram at Next Session Podcast. Um, I like to try to throw up a little blurb about the episode every week although i totally missed it last week oh no i blurb. know i know the i missed blurb. i missed 33's blurb and i'm i'm gonna have to go back and retcon it if you will yeah well uh i hope that you get a chance to follow us on those places and comment on our ridiculous posts someday news. we're gonna have merch and stickers but it is not this day it is not this day but this day i'm adam jones and i'm Alyssa jones and you can tune in next time and we will help you prep for the next session bye